Well, we are about to get going. And so, yeah, today's topic, we're going to be studying about the spiritual gifts. Um, and I hope for all of our sake, I have the gift of teaching. Uh, <laughs> if not, this is going to be a little muddy. <laughs> and so, but yeah, I'm going to pray and then we will we'll get going. Father, we thank you for an opportunity for us to gather and study your word and study the doctrine of, of the spiritual gifts that your spirit has given to the church for the building up of the body. Lord, we pray that as we study, Lord, that um, our affections for you would grow, that we would see that you are sovereign, that you are wise, and that you are good, and how you have bestowed gifts upon your church. Lord, may we be encouraged to use the gifts that you've given us for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, yep. Lesson 51, spiritual gifts. And so our, big, our main idea this morning, it is this. That God entrusts his church with gifts that brings unity and maturity to the church for his glory. Now, as you guys walked in, as y'all saw, there's like a stack of all kinds of papers, about a good four of them. Uh, I know I gave y'all a lot, and it was purposeful. Um, what, the first one, of, of course, is the outline of the lesson. The second one is just a list of spiritual gifts and some definitions of them uh, and some verses that go along with it. Uh, the last two um, is more so dealing with the idea, and we'll get to the lesson and we'll talk about it briefly, this idea, but it's more so dealing with the idea of whether uh, some gifts are continuing or have ceased. You know, some people, uh, they're, they're labeled either a continuationist, I mean, some of these uh, miraculous or, well, every spiritual gift is miraculous, and this is from the Lord, but more so sign gifts, um, like tongues and prophecy and uh, healing and stuff, gifts like that, whether it's continuing, and then some people, they are in the camp that these gifts have ceased. And so uh, many people have, who are much smarter than I have studied this for much longer than I, uh, even longer than I've lived. And so seeing that we have an hour, we're not going to solve <laughs> that thing. Like some godly men who exposit the scriptures line up on different camps. But what we did provide are, are two helpful articles to maybe even whet the appetite if you're interested in begin to study more on whether you, uh, where, you, where, you lay, where you line up, whether you think the gifts have ceased or the gifts are continuing. And so, yeah, four uh, sheets of paper for all of us to take home, hope to study. And so let's get into the lesson. So just a heads up, one more thing is that I'm going to be calling on a number of people to be reading. Um, just would love for people to yeah, have your Bibles open and ready, and we're going to get into the Word. And so the first point is, what is the work of the Spirit? And so with this, um, Eric, would you get Titus chapter 3, verse 5? Eli, will you get Romans chapter 8, verse 15? Andrew, will you get uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11? And then, Rebecca, will you get Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14? And so, under this first point, what is the work of the Spirit? Uh, we're going to see that the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit is regeneration, where He unites us with Christ through faith. And so, this is the greatest gift that we receive from the Spirit. And so, Titus chapter 3. Thank you. Romans 8, 15. Who did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Mm. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And then Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. 
Amen. Thank you so much. So yeah, so the greatest gift that we receive is the gift of regeneration that the Holy Spirit applies where he unites us through to Christ through faith. And so yeah, so what we see even in this is just this Trinitarian work of the triune God of our salvation. Um, even in Titus chapter 3, we didn't read verse 4, but it, but it talks about like God is the one who saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And so the Lord, it was the Lord's plan in sending the Lord Jesus Christ, Father's plan in sending his son who became man, who was totally God and totally man, walked this earth, perfectly obeyed the Father, every commandment. And then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so on the cross, the Lord Jesus bore the sins, bore the wrath uh, for the sin of each and every person who would turn from their sin and believe in him. And so Christ paid it all on the cross, where he would say that it is finished uh, our sins have been propitiated, meaning God's wrath for our sin has been satisfied. And then three days later, he resurrected from the grave. And all who turn from their sin and believe in him, we are saved. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit, he's the one who regenerates us. He causes us to be born again. And then we receive this gift of faith and we place our faith in the Lord Jesus. And as we place our faith in the Lord Jesus, what Ephesians would say is that when we heard the word of truth, the gospel, and believed in him, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. I mean, God dwells within us. Like, he is the guarantee of our inheritance, that we belong to God, that we are his children. And that's what Romans 8 gets at, that we have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so upon faith, we receive the spirit. We are adopted into the family. We are true children of God. And then the Lord and then the Holy Spirit, he applies the work of Christ to where first Corinthians says that that we were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit. And so this is the greatest gift that we can receive from the spirit, which is salvation. But then we got to go on and we see that not only is this is, the, this is part of the work of the Spirit. Another part of the work of the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit produces the life of Christ in Christians and empowers us to be his witnesses. And so, Merck, will you get Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23? Uh, Kelsey, will you get Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20? Ethan, will you get Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and then uh, Avery, Will you get 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19? And so we're going to see that, yeah, uh, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit, he produces the life of Christ in us. And he empowers us to be his witnesses. And so Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Amen. Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, it's a great memory verse. Do not quench the spirit. Just a few words. Easy to remember. It's so powerful. And so what we see here within these, within these few verses is, you know, Galatians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit, he is producing fruit. Uh, this one fruit, and it's just all of these is one fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as he's doing that, what he's doing is like making us more and more like Jesus. We're looking more and more like Jesus as the Spirit produces this fruit. But also, you know, in the, in the Great Commission, the Lord Jesus, he promises and assures his presence toward his disciples as he says, um, you know, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And then he, he ends with the, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the Holy Spirit is the presence of Christ with us. It is through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is with us always to the end of the age. And then we also see is that as the Holy Spirit is producing the life of Christ in us, that we are to, to not sin and grieve the Spirit. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says. But then he also says that in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19, that we are to not quench the Spirit. Now, some people may wonder, like, man, what is, what's the difference between grieving the Spirit and, and quenching uh, the Spirit? I would say, uh, as simple as I can, I can say it, um, man, so if you're quenching something, you are putting something out. Um, and so what it, what it looks like is, man, there are specific commandments that we are to, to be doing. Um, and so to quench the Spirit is to deliberately and intentionally not do them. While at the same time, to grieve the Spirit... Within this context of Ephesians chapter 4, um, if you read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 all the way down, Paul will say that, that we've been made new, that we are to put off the old self and put on the new self. And then verses 25 on down, Paul gets into, don't do this, but do this. Like, don't lie, but speak the truth. Um, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Um, let the thief no longer steal. But be generous. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but speak only such as is good for building up. And so what it means to grieve the spirit is Paul is saying deliberately, do not do these things. And so what it means to grieve the spirit is that you intentionally do the very things that you're commanded to not do. Within the context of Ephesians 4, like that's what it looks like to grieve the spirit. So to quench the spirit, there are things you should be doing that you intentionally don't do. To grieve the spirit, there are things that... <laughs> As Paul is saying, don't do these things, and you intentionally do those things. <laughs> Makes sense? We get to study a little bit more. Um, hope that was simple. But, yeah, so Paul, like, and, and all of this is the purpose of produce, the Holy Spirit producing the life of Christ in us and empowering us to be his witnesses. And then part C, it says the Holy Spirit uh, gives gifts, gifts to believers and churches with divine enablement, to accomplish his purposes. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to break this thing up 1 to 3, and then 4 to 8, and then 9 to 11. And so Chris Dish, will you get uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3? Emily Stroud, will you get um, verses 4 to 8? And then Garrett. Will you get verses 9 to 11 for me? Yep. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Four through eight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so, yeah, so the first three verses, what we see is that, um, man, there's been this fundamental shift. Like they were once led by idols. I mean, led by their passions to these idols, but not so anymore. But in fact, um, like Paul wants them to know, to understand, to be able to comprehend this, that everyone who confesses, everyone who doesn't confess, that Jesus, everyone who says Jesus is accursed, that's not from the Spirit. <laughs> But what is from the Spirit is that we confess that Jesus is Lord. Um, 
We all know that before we knew the Lord, we didn't confess Jesus to be Lord. We did not submit to his lordship. What Paul is saying is that, man, before we begin talking about spiritual gifts, it is the work of the spirit that leads us to confess Christ to be Lord. And then he goes on. He, he gets at, man, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, varieties of service, but the same Lord, and varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. Um, and he goes into, like, yeah, just this unity in the midst of diversity. Like, the one God gives a variety of gifts to his church, unity and diversity. The one God who gives diverse gifts to his church, he gives them for a unified purpose. Verse 7, for the common good. Like the point in receiving spiritual gifts is to serve others. Not to draw attention to oneself, but to use them for the benefit of others. And so uh, gifts of the Spirit, they are manifestations of the Spirit, making public, visible, and embodying the Spirit. And then he goes on at the end, he says, The Holy Spirit gives each believer and church's gifts according to his will. If you guys see that we who are in Christ, we who are Christians, we are the recipients. We do not get to choose which gift we'll receive. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives those gifts. He, he apportions to them as he chooses. And as the way he chooses, it is good. <laughs> it is for our good. And so before we transition to, to actually going into more of the spiritual gifts, do we have any questions or comments? All right, let's keep going then. And so part two, what do I need to know about the spiritual gifts? So the first thing is that, yeah, part A, a spiritual gift is a manifestation of grace given by the Holy Spirit to a believer for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, fulfilling the Great Commission, and bringing glory to God. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we go through the rest of our points. Uh, that's almost more like a thesis statement, you know, in regards to the spiritual gifts. And so the first thing that we're going to look at is that spiritual gifts are given primarily for the edification of others. And so with that, um, let me get... Dan, will you, get, will you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7? Nathan, will you get 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4? And then will you also read verse 12? Alyssa, will you get Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 to 12? And then Monet, will you get 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11? And so we are starting here purposefully. Because it seems, once we read this, we see it seems like Paul is actually emphasizing far more on the purpose of the spiritual gifts more than he's talking about, like, which gift and more as he gets into the details of which gift. Uh, because in context, the, the church in Corinth, they like, they were so focused on, like, tongues and prophets, primarily tongues. They're so focused on the gifts that it was almost as if, like, they just missed the purpose of the gifts. And so Paul is like, hold on, let's, 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 let me go ahead, let me lay out for you the purpose of spiritual gifts. And as you see, he's going to strongly emphasize this. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And in Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. To, can you verse 11? Yes. <laughs> Are you good? Amen. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11.
Amen. And so from these verses, what would you guys say is the purpose of the spiritual gifts? Helping others. Helping others. Why do you say helping others? It's not at all for you. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. And so, yeah, if we get caught up so much into the weeds of what are the spiritual gifts and have some ceased and are some continued, but but our focus is not upon what Paul is emphasizing, then, friends, we've missed it. Which is why we're starting here with with what is the purpose of spiritual gifts. May we focus so much. I mean, you guys can study. Feel free to study. But, man, may we not focus so much on whether they're, they're ceased or whether they're continuing, but focus so much more on, like, man, am I using my gifts to serve? Am I using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me to build up others? Am I praying that we as a church seek to use our gifts to build up others and not major in the minors of whether this gift is, whether these gifts are continuing or not? And so we receive these spiritual gifts that we may be concerned about others' growth in Christ. And we are to steward our gifts well. And when we use them, we, and actually we steward our gifts well when we use them to serve others. And so then we have to go on and see that the Holy Spirit, he gives every Christian, uh, he gifts every Christian with one or more spiritual gifts, which, which they should use. And so, Kate, will you get Romans chapter 12, verse 3? Andrea, will you get uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 again? Um, and then, Mario, will you get 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 18 and 19? First Corinthians 14, verses 18 and 19. Amen. Yeah, so in these verses, we see you know, Romans 12, the Lord is a portion, uh, given according to our measure of faith. We already read this, we read it twice, but in 1 Corinthians 12, we see that, man, the Spirit, he has given gifts to each and every individual. But then we see the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 and 19. Uh, where he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so we see the Apostle Paul, he has a number of spiritual gifts. <laughs> like one, uh, we saw in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and we also see in 1 Corinthians 12 that, yeah, apostles is a gift. <laughs> and so we have the Apostle Paul. He speaks in tongues. He just said that he does. Uh, in First Corinthians, I mean, First Timothy chapter 2, that he would say that God has called him to be a preacher and a teacher of God's word. And so Paul is an example of, of, of a brother, of a Christian, who has been gifted with more than one spiritual gift. And so it's very much possible for brothers and sisters who have been sealed with the Spirit to have more than one spiritual gift. Everyone has at least one. For sure. Uh, but it's possible that we could have more than one. And then we must go on and see that, um, yeah, it is, 
Where we at? Yeah, we must go on and see also that we must use our gifts diligently rather than allow atrophy. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Renzo, will you get that for me? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Let's do, babe, will you get that one if you can? And then, yeah, we'll go with those two verses. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I said 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. No, you good, brother. You good. First Timothy 4, 14. 1 Timothy 4, 14. Okay. Um, do not neglect the gift you have, which, has, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on Mm-hmm. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And so both verses, uh, specifically Paul is talking to Timothy, but he's telling him, like, use the gifts <laughs> that the Lord has given you. Do not neglect them, fan it to flame, use these gifts. And so the old adage, use it or lose it, it doesn't exactly apply when it comes to the spiritual gifts. Um, but there is a real sense in which we can neglect or misuse or abuse the gifts that God has given to us. It's very much possible. And so all gifts should be stewarded as faith working itself out in love for the purpose of building up. It shouldn't be noted. Um, yeah, and so I'll also say that, that seeing that gifts are intended for the edification of others, we're actually not helping the body grow as we could and should if we're not using our gifts. And so there is a component of, like, if we're not using our gifts, then we're not really serving in a way for the edification of others as we could and should. Because, again, the purpose of using the gifts is for the common good, is for the building up of the body. And first, in Ephesians, we make known that as each part is working properly, each member of the body, as each part is working properly, we help the body grow so that we build itself up in love. And so if we're not using our gifts, or we're abusing our gifts, or we're misusing our gifts, then in a real sense, we're not really, individually, not helping the body grow. And so we must diligently use our gifts, rather than allow them grow atrophy, but also use them for God's glory. Use them well for the very purposes that the Lord has given to us. And as we use them well, by God's grace and for his glory, like, it is amazing. It really does build up others. Like, it is so wonderful. Uh, and it's a beautiful sight to see as people are like, by God's grace, using their gifts. Um, someone, uh, I, I read in a commentary that somebody they liken to where as the church uses all the spiritual gifts, as believers are using the spiritual gifts for the edification, they said it's like an orchestra. Um, I'm not into orchestras and stuff like that, so I'm not going to use that illustration. <laughs> uh, but I am, I do love music. And one of my favorite Christian bands is King's Kaleidoscope. Uh, they just dropped an album called Zeal. That mug is dope. Came out Friday, been jamming it all weekend. Um, but one of the things I love about King's Kaleidoscope is that this one band has so many guys and gals who have, they just use all kinds of instruments. And it is so wonderful. Like, I literally YouTubed it yesterday. They were singing a song, and y'all, it was so many instruments being used. It was like two types of drums, three types of guitars. You had a trombone. You had a trumpet. You had violins. You had a cello. You had somebody having a tambourine shaking that thing. Like you just say, like it was, it was really dope because like you just see so a diversity of sounds, and they're just coming together and it's meshing so well to where man. One of the reasons why I love King's Kaleidoscope is because of the beats. Like it is so legit. It is so encouraging, so dope. And then they got one lead singer. Dustin, who's just singing over the sound, but like, man, the instruments is so creative. 
is so amazing, it's so encouraging. And, and in one sense, like, is the saints, is the church of God uses our spiritual gifts to serve one another. Like, man, it is so amazing that, that other people see it and just blown away. But not just outside of see it and are blown away, but the saints are built up by it. And so, yes, may we use our spiritual gifts well for the glory of God and for the edification of one another. Now we must see that, um, and, and though the Lord has given us gifts, we are in this body of flesh, and so we must be on guard against temptations to pride regarding, regarding how we are gifted. And, I know, um, and so that's a lot of verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 12, verses 14 and 26. But we're going to zero in on just three verses. And so Hobal, will you get 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21? Eli, again, will you get uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 and 16? Go ahead. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Which the push to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, though not make any less Thank you. And so, yeah, we can easily be tempted to think too highly of ourselves by looking down on others. As we saw in verse 21, where it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And so, like, as yeah, if, just imagine if that were to happen. What's rooted in that is pride. The very fact that like, I don't need you at all. Like, I got this all by myself. And so as, as we are tempted, like, we could easily be tempted to be that way. And it is so dangerous. We're putting down others. And in fact, we're also not being honest because that ain't true. Like, the Lord, we, the Lord has uniquely set this thing up really well, set the church up to where we genuinely need each other. And so that, that arrogance of saying, I have no need of you, one, is it ain't true. Two, we're, we're disobeying the scriptures because we are thinking too highly of ourselves. We don't have a sober judgment. And we're not necessarily seeing the body and the need for others the way that the Lord has explicitly said in the scriptures. But there's also another temptation as well. And it's what, what Eli read, where in verses 15 and 16, where it says, um, If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And so we could also be tempted to think lowly of ourselves by looking up at others. And that's not true either. <laughs> Like, both are false. Like, someone, it can be played out to where someone can say, well, man, I'm not needed at the body because I don't have the spiritual gift of teaching. Or someone else could say that, man, I'm not needed in the body because I do not have the spiritual gift of encouragement or of exhortation. And that's just not true. That's not true at all. Like, brothers, who, brothers and sisters who have the spiritual gift of generosity, the spiritual gift of hospitality, the spiritual gift of administration, like, you guys, you, we are needed. <laughs> every person with every gift is needed. And so please, do not think lowly. Don't, first, don't think highly of yourself, but also in that same vein, don't think lowly of yourselves. Like, the Lord has uniquely wired, he apportioned every gift to be stewarded for his glory. And both responses reveal pride because we are focused on ourselves rather than serving God and others in cooperation with the complementary gifted brothers and sisters. You see, friends, spiritual gifts by its very name and definition should produce humility. Like, just think about it. By its very name and definition, it should produce humility. 
Because first and foremost, it's a gift. <laughs> well, well, even before that, though, like only Christians receive the gifts of the Spirit. And salvation is a gift. We weren't born saved. We were born enemies of God. And the Lord pursued us and reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he, he's given us gifts to be used. Not spiritual earnings, <laughs> but spiritual gifts. And then the very purpose, as the Holy Spirit is made known, it is for the common good. It is for building up. And so the very name, the definition, and the purpose of spiritual gifts, all of it should produce humility in us. And the moment we are tempted towards pride and looking down on others, we have forgotten these very things. The purpose of spiritual gifts, the need for the body, the fact that we are saved by grace, the fact that, yeah, that the Lord has given us this gift to be stewarded. And a good verse for us to, to be mindful of is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Everyone turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It is, like, it is one of those very humbling verses um, that I'm grateful for, that I'm constantly um, reminded of, and, and one of the ways that, yeah, that the Lord helps me fight pride, fight temptation of being arrogant, whatever, whatever it is I'm thinking about boasting in, like 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, like it is one of those pride-killing verses. <laughs> and it says this, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Like, just let that sink. Let that, let that mar marinate. You know, like, like the little spices into the steak. Just let that, let that marinate a little bit. Go all the way in, all the way down to the core, and let it humble us. But also, not, not just let it humble us, but let it lead us to exalt God. Because everything that we have, we have received. And if we have received it, then we have no reason to boast. We have no reason to exalt ourselves but all the more reason to exalt the Lord and all the more reason to humbly steward and use everything that we have received. So that's our homework. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, scripture memory verse. If you know it, you already did your homework. If you don't know it, highly encourage you this week. Meditate on it, learn it word for word, pray it and apply it to our lives. And pray, pray that as a church we apply that verse that we have this posture of humility regarding everything that the Lord has given. And so let's keep going. And in part F, it says, it is not always easy or necessary to make distinctions between natural talents and spiritual gifts. This is a true thing. Yeah, like, so everything that we have, every talent that we have, it has been given by God. Um, while at the same time, spiritual gifts are gifts of the Lord. I mean, they're gifts of the Lord that, that we have received from being saved by grace. And so some people, um, we can be very tempted to be like, man, well, hey, I'm, you know, uh, I do have this natural ability, so maybe I have this spiritual gift, or, or, um, or just try to make distinctions of, because the list of spiritual gifts is not exhaustive, as you guys can see in, in 1 Corinthians and Romans, and even in 1 Peter, like, there are some gifts that overlap, but then there are some specific gifts that's mentioned. And so the gifts aren't exhaustive. And so it could be tended to say, well, it could be tended to be like, man, hey, because there are a multitude of gifts, and because I may have this natural talent, do I have this gift? And so I would just discourage us from trying to, like, differentiate, like, man, hey, I'm naturally gifted in here. Is this a spiritual gift or not? And stuff like that. I would just say, use your talents and gifts for God's glory. That would be my encouragement. Not necessarily get into the weeds of, man, is this is it a talent or is it a gift? Whatever it is, use it for the glory of God. Use it to encourage others. And then there are some tasks that all Christians are called to engage in regardless of unique giftings. And so, Eric, will you get Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Judah, will you get Galatians chapter 5, verse 13? And then, Kevin, will you get 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7? And so, regardless of giftings, 
We have been commanded by the Lord <laughs> to do specific things. And we cannot use the excuse that I don't have this gift as a reason for disobedience. Okay? So Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Mm-hmm. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Thank you. Amen. And so, not all are evangelists, but everyone is a witness. Not all are, um, not all have the spiritual gift of service, but in love and through love, we all are to serve one another. Not all have the spiritual gift of generosity, and yet we see that all we are to give generously. And so please do not allow you to excuse yourself to be disobedient because you say, man, I don't have that spiritual gift. Well, I don't have the spiritual gift of, of evangelism, and so maybe I could just not share. And it's like, that's just, that's disobedience because the Lord has commanded us to share the gospel, to proclaim Christ. The Lord has commanded us to, through love, serve one another. Whether we have the spiritual gift of serving or not, we are to serve. Whether we have the spiritual gift of generosity or not, we are to give generously. Open hands, stewarding all things for his glory. And so please do not let, uh, I don't have this gift, be a reason for your disobedience. And so since we yeah, got into the, work, uh, the spiritual gifts now, yeah, since we did part two, before we go on, what I need to know about spiritual gifts, are there any questions or comments? What's up, Hobalt? Really good question. So the spiritual gift of the thief on the cross, I don't know <laughs> what spiritual gift he had, but he definitely believed. Um, well, at the same time, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. Seeing that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives gifts to the church, well, Jesus also hasn't ascended to the Father so that the Spirit could come down and give gifts to the people. So that would probably be some of my Part of my argument, not argument, but that would be part of my answer. And as far as Abraham goes, um, did the Old Testament saints, well, the Old Testament believers, yeah, those who believe in the promise and the one who was to come, did they have spiritual gifts? I don't know. I mean, first, I mean, Exodus chapter 31, we see that the Lord is specifically uh, called, you know, what was his name, Aholiam, um, to these two guys, to this, yeah, Aholiab. Uh, to this specific work, and he's empowered them for it. And so could that potentially, some people say, could that be a spiritual gift? Maybe, um, but I'm just not necessarily, I haven't studied enough, and I just don't really see as much in the Old Testament. I'm like, yeah, these, get, like, these guys have spiritual gifts, even though a lot of them were prophets, and they prophesied. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd definitely be something to study more. Great question. Any other questions? What's up, Merck? Oh, yeah. And then question, um, one question is, so should Christians say, well, I have this gift, so I'm going to be in this language. So mm. um, my gift is uh, evangelism, so um, someone else has the gift of exhortation or helps or something, so I'm not going to, my lane is evangelism, I'm not going to get in that lane. So should we think, hey, you know, praise God for all the different gifts, but I'm just going to stay in my lane, or... 
Oh, really good question. So we get into that a little bit more, but, but um, you know, real quick answer. I would say, um, I'll say serve where there's needs. <laughs> and so just because you're like, man, hey, I got a spiritual gift of evangelism, but there's needs in childcare. I don't have that gift in serving. I'm just going to stay in my lane and evangelize. Like, no, there's also a need over here right now where you can serve. And so serve in this way. Um, well, at the same time, if you do have the spiritual gift of evangelism, I'll say, yes, evangelize. But also, part of that gift is for the edification of others, and so you should be encouraging others to be evangelizing as well. And even in, in regards to the spiritual gift of exhortation, as a congregation, as a people of God, we are to be exhorting one another. You know, sec, uh, not 2 Corinthians, but Colossians chapter 3 makes that known. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And so, yeah, whether you have the spiritual gift of exhortation or admonishment or not, does not necessarily mean that you don't have the responsibility to exhort and to admonish fellow believers. Does that make sense? And so that would be some of my answers on the front end. Um, anybody want to add to it? Eric, would you like to add anything? Or? No, I'm just Really good question, brother. Really good question. And so what are the spiritual gifts? Well, this is what we're going to read them. And so, Kate, will you get Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8? Let me see. Gabe, will you get 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 10? Renzo, will you get 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 to 30? Garrett, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And then Rebecca again, will you get 1 Peter chapter, 10, chapter 4, verses 10 to 11? There's no 10th chapter in Peter. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating the various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles. Do all possess gifts of healing. Do all speak tongues. Do all interpret. First Peter. I'll read it. Huh? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> yep. read first Peter t four okay excellent yep got them all and so yeah here are the the gifts that is labeled in the scriptures as we see there are some overlap um, with first Corinthians with uh, yeah with Ephesians even with Romans there's some overlap while at the same time there there is also not as much overlap like administration um, Paul only mentions that in first Corinthians chapter 12 or gifts of healing or faith and then um, yeah, then we see the offices that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And so these gifts, 
uh, they can be divided into two categories, not perfectly, of course, but they can be divided into two categories, and that's speaking gifts and serving gifts. Some would add a third category of spectacular gifts, but since the New Testament doesn't officially label gifts in that way, we're going to arrange them with just these two, speaking and serving, even though, uh, yeah, there are some limitations in it. So part of the thing we gave you, um, have given you is the spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament. And so with the speaking gifts, there are quite a few. Uh, we're not, for the sake of time, so we are all, almost done. We're not necessarily about to go into specific definition of each and every gift that's labeled. But what I did do is, or what Garrett did, and I just replicated, um, was print this thing out for you guys. Print this sheet. And so you guys can begin to look at it, read over it, study it. Uh, would love to talk more if you read it and have questions. Uh, you can also talk to Garrett about it as well or any of the elders. But yeah, this, but these gifts, again, I know I've been, I'm almost like repeating myself and I'm doing it very purposefully to make known that the gifts are used, or the purpose of it is to serve. The purpose of it is to build up. I know I sound like a broken record, um, and, and, and purposefully <laughs> and apologetically because that's the very thing I think the scriptures are is emphasizing so much more than anything as it relates to the gifts. All right? And then, should Christians prayerfully, the church, no, I should, churches should prayerfully desire God to bless the church with edifying gifts. And so I'll read this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 31, Paul says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Then he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And, and again, he says like this phrase, earnestly desire, a number of times. Uh, it was there. He also tells them the eager desire uh, for the manifestation of the gifts in, in chapter 14, verse 12. He says in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And so, like, as churches, we are to earnestly desire and pray for these spiritual gifts um, because the church is built up by them. And specifically, in regards to our gathering, the church is really built up by the speaking gifts. You know, teaching, preaching. Um, you can throw prophecy in there. It depends on how you define prophecy, how some people define prophecy. But, like, earnestly desire these gifts because the Lord uses those unique gifts within our gathering to build up the church. Like even in 1 Corinthians 14, like if you guys just, man, take some time and study this passage, Paul is emphasizing um, prophecy over tongues because he's emphasizing, man, he wants the people to be built up. He wants the people to be edified. And as he's speaking of it, like it's just illumining truth to where people can understand and as we understand the word of God, we're, we're being edified. We're being built up. And so that's one of the things that Paul is really emphasizing in 1 Corinthians 14 as he talks about the spiritual gifts. And specifically as he goes back and forth about the different, comparing and contrasting tongues and prophecy within this context. But I would highly encourage you guys to study the passage. I was greatly edified this week as I was reading it. Um, as I read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 over and over and over again, especially chapter 14, as we see Paul's heart's desire for wanting the church to be built up. And being edified is a huge theme in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> like as you read this book, you'll see over and over again that he, like, not all things build up. And we are to do things that build others up. <laughs> and so highly encourage you guys to study 1 Corinthians highly encourage you guys to study chapter 14. And then as we talk about uh, gifts, the best way Christians can discern their spiritual gifts is by serving the needs of the church in the context of community. 
that's the best way that we can begin to see what our spiritual gifts are. And so some people have taken the spiritual gift test, not against it at all, not opposed to it, but uh, they didn't take the spiritual gifts test <laughs> back then. <laughs> it wasn't anything online where you could take it. But what they were doing, they were serving. And, and as, you, as there are opportunities, look for opportunities. The Lord provides opportunities, what needs to be done. Find things that need to be done in the church community and serve. Garrett said this, and I really appreciate it. He says, go through the door of opportunity, doing what needs to be done. And then as time goes on, see what seems to be most clearly blessed by the Lord. And then community. This is where the church, it is so crucial to have one another. Like what are other people saying? What are other saints saying to you? Like we aren't the best judge of ourselves, even when it comes to the spiritual gifts test. Like, man, we can easily be very subjective. Man, you know, do I do I do this? I think I do. And I like to do this, you know. So but in the context of community, people can like really speak in and let you know. Like, hey, brother, I really do think that you have the spiritual gift of generosity. And the way I can, I can begin to perceive that is because I've seen you be very generous, not just with much, but even with little. And I see that it is, it is with great joy that you give. Or, or you can go to a sister and be like, sister, I really think that, man, you have the spiritual gift of Think of what hospitality. Not just women have a spiritual gift of hospitality, but even women can have a gift of hospitality. But just like, man, hey, I really think you have a spiritual gift of hospitality. I see how you lovingly and joyfully open up your home to other people in order to encourage them, to build them up. Like, it's in that context of the local church speaking the truth and encouraging one another in that, that Lord willing, we may begin to see more that, yeah, I'm, this person may have this spiritual gift, and this person may have this spiritual gift. But also, some people, may, some people also in the local church, it can go the very opposite way as well. To where some brothers and sisters may be like, man, I think I have the spiritual gift of teaching. To where other brothers can lovingly let you know, like, man, hey, brother, we are commanded to teach. Like, that's what the Lord says, teach them to obey. Uh, but as far as the spiritual gift of teaching, I'm not 100% sure that you have that spiritual gift. Maybe a hard conversation, but a very loving one. But it's also in the context of the local church that we can begin to have those conversations as well. And so within community, we begin to see more. We can learn more about our spiritual gifts. And I know for the sake of time, we got to get into very briefly, are some of the spiritual gifts, are they no longer given to the church or are they? You have two camps, cessationism, God has ceased giving miraculous gifts or sign gifts to the church, like prophecy, speaking in tongues. And then you have some people who say uh, they're continuationists. God continues to give miraculous gifts to the church. And we have verses for both. And I'll say, man, there are many godly men, like John MacArthur, hardcore cessationists. And he exposits the scriptures. John Piper, hardcore continuationists. And he exposits the scriptures. Um, and so, yeah. Think about it. Pray about it. God bless you. Highly encourage you to study it. Well, with Delray Baptist Church, where does our elders land? And so where the elders land on this is that they are open but cautious. And so like, man, they, they open, but they got a seatbelt <laughs> pretty much. And what that means is that, um, yeah, the elders are not necessarily cessationists because they don't necessarily see that it's clear in Scripture that one is. However, the elders are very cautious in this. So if any of you or any of us would say that, man, we have a word from the Lord and we want to declare this word from the Lord to the congregation, my strongest encouragement would be that we first go and talk to the elders. And then we, yeah, because, yeah, then we let the elders take it from there on what they decide is best. And so, DRBC elders, open but cautious. So this is the lesson on spiritual gifts. Do we have any questions, comments, prophecies, <laughs> tongues? Do we have any, any questions, though, or comments? Yes, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> building us up and serving us. Um, praise God and thank you. 
Well, thank you. Praise God. You're way too kind. Um, thank you. And so we pray, and then we go into our main gathering. Father, we thank you that yeah, you have given gifts to the church. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who are faithful to stewarding the gifts, not for our glory, but for yours, that we will humble ourselves, and that we will long for your son to be exalted. Lord, may we celebrate your wisdom and sovereignty and goodness. Lord, in bestowing gifts to your church. Lord, help us to not be a people who are um, saddened by the gifts that um, you've given us when you reveal the gifts to us. But Lord, help us to give thanks and help us to steward them well. And Lord, as we gather as your people, as the church, and at 1045 hour, we pray for the exaltation of Christ. That we would be sanctified for your truth. And that we would long for your son's imminent return. Listen, in Jesus' name, amen.